Doc? Don't say a word. Doc! I don't want to know your name. I don't want to know anything about you. Listen, Doc. Quiet. Doc. Don't Doc, tell me anything. Doc, Quiet. Quiet. I'm going to read your thoughts. Let's see now. You come here from a great distance? Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me. Uh, you want me to buy a subscription to the Saturday Evening Post? No. Not a word. Not a word. Not a word now. Quiet. Uh, donations. You want me to make a donation to the Coast Guard Youth Auxiliary? Doc. I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now, I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. Doc, you gotta help me. You were the only one who knows how your time machine works. Time machine? I haven't invented any time machine. Okay, all right, I'll prove it to you. Look at my driver's license. It expires 1987. Look at my birthday, for crying out loud. I haven't even been born yet. And look at this picture. My brother, my sister, and me. Look at her sweatshirt, Doc. Class of 1984. Pretty mediocre photographic fakery. They cut off your mother's hair. I'm telling the truth, Doc. You gotta believe me. Then tell me, future boy. <laughs> Who's president of the United States in 1985? Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan? The actor? <laughs> then who's vice president? Jerry Lewis? Cinema 9 Podcast with your host, Eric Brandstrom, Michael Govier, and Travis Roy. Coming to a speaker near you right now. movie pod we talk about films very highbrow very snooty we're like the elitist of the elite nobody is more elite than us but today we have a very special guest the one and only matt williams is here to talk film with us matt how's it going tell people about yourself what are you doing here man i don't know what your audience is like so i don't know if they actually care where i'm from but i am a fantasy baseball writer nothing to do with this but absolutely obsessed with movies I, I, my brain is just filled with movie quotes and I can pretty much recite every word of every movie I've ever seen 
And uh, for some reason, my brain is wired that way. And, you know, I could it could be used for more important things. But, hey, I'm happy the way it turned out. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. We're going to be focusing on your selection in the centerpiece of our show. But, of course, we have our dear co-host, our loyal these are these are my pals. These are all old friends. All three of us love movies together. Travis Roy. Travis, you're back in Michigan. This is your second show in Michigan. How does it feel? It feels real good. I've, I've cracked a beer from Rochester Mills Brewery, which I've never heard of before, but it's local. And uh, it's good to be in the in the mitten. I'm doing good. Hey, that's wonderful. It's great are you going to be doing a here, live man. review of the beer? Um, it is it is movie themed. It's called Juice Bigelow. So it's in reference hey. to the great Rob Schneider. Well, not great. Just the Rob Schneider. I'm going to re retract that statement. Great Rob Schneider. And of course, from Griffith, Indiana, Eric Brantrum. How's it going? I'm so excited to talk about the cinematic debut of the most beautiful man that's ever lived, Billy Zane. <laughs> All right. I didn't see that coming. Wow. I didn't either. Okay, well, of course, this is the Cinema 9 Pod, and you can find us at Cinema 9 Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Cinema 9 Pod at ProtonMail.com. Please come and check out what we're doing. Uh, hey, fellas, did you review any movies recently this week? Uh, any latest and greatest on Instagram? Uh, kind of a slow week on uh, the review front, I think. I reviewed Dead Ant uh, from oh, yeah, from I saw 2017. That. What the hell yeah, was that? A, that is a garbage movie that's just beautiful. Just uh, it's It's like the perfect, like, just bad good movie uh highly Dear recommend Lord. okay well matt have you ever seen dead ant nope no have not oh okay uh all right so before we get into our opening segment we're going to talk about top time travel movies of all time and in the centerpiece of the show we're going to talk about back to the future does it hold up one of the most iconic films in the history of films <laughs> so it's gonna be interesting to see what we pull out of it but first, uh, Matt, why don't you tell us about like uh, your movie background? What? Because uh, you told me some stories about you wanted to work in film and stuff, and I kind of alluded to that last week, but I didn't really give away the whole story. So, what's the word on that? Yeah, originally before doing this, I actually went to school uh, for uh, for uh, film editing. I worked with Chris LeBenzin. He did like Top Gun. Uh, something more uh, recent was like the new uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is brutal. But uh, yeah, that's something I want to get into. But it just turned out, you know, that's the odds of you really getting into that and being successful are, are very, 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 very hard. Just as pr pretty much just as hard as being an actor itself. There's actually fewer options for you as an editor uh, doing that. So it just, you know, I, I am also really good at math. So I ended up going a more practical approach and I love baseball, which actually I could use it for a more fun vocation. So I ended up where I am, but yeah, film, I was very serious about for a while. And yeah, I picked back to the future, which is like, I guess, you know, not an artsy film or anything particularly that people come up with, but like my favorite film of all time is this and back to the future and Casablanca. So I love freaking everything. Uh, I love trash movies. I, I appreciate them for what they are. I love, you know, five star movies and I appreciate them for what they are. Yeah. You know, Matt, I wanted to ask you in terms of like film editing, do they still have that thing in Hollywood where you have to like apprentice for like seven years before you can like even touch a frame of film in the industry? Yeah, you have to, especially before you actually like get your like official like card <laughs> to be a part. Yeah, you like said, that's why I was working for LeBenzin and yeah, for a long time, it's a, like it's it's a who you know thing. So yeah, it, wow. not only do you have to really know what you're doing because you're kind of the head of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, you, you work for a long, long time, but you know, it's it was fun. It just was obvious that 
you were probably going to work for seven years and still not be guaranteed anything. That is some <laughs> absurd medieval guild shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, I suppose. But still, yeah, no. hey, hey, we're glad that uh, you still love film. It didn't jade yeah. you. I mean, you don't yeah. hate film. So that's oh, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate my experience. I made a mathematical calculation that this was not going to be a smart decision for life. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, smart. I just went there. I'm like, all right, this is great. I'm going to I'm going to go now, though. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and then you can still watch movies forever. Yeah, you could even create your own film still. It's never too late. Maybe, hey, maybe, uh, hey, maybe we all four of us should do a collaboration, a cinema pod. You know, Travis, you could be the director. Eric could star in it. You know, I'll I'll produce it, and Matt could be the editor. What do you guys that think? Noise, folks. If you hear the kissy noise, that is Eric kissing his dog. Just <laughs> hey, so, for those listening at home, in case you were wondering, that's not me. No blowing dogs allowed. <laughs> Over a dog. You don't even need a. You don't even need a set to make a movie anymore. Didn't they have that one? Is the uh, God, I can't think of the character's name. He's actually really awesome. From uh, Harold and Kumar, uh, Go to White Castle. He uh, he, had, he shot an yeah. entire movie. It was basically on cell phones, right? <laughs> Harold, uh, searching. 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 Yeah, I hadn't seen it. I, I just, I know, I remember the previews. I hadn't seen that movie yet. But yeah, it was entirely shot in like cell phones and stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah, Soderbergh did a whole movie on iPhones. Yeah, so that's <laughs> oh, the way yeah. it is now. <laughs> well, cool, Matt. We're really glad to have you aboard. Thanks yeah, for tuning welcome. in. Thanks for being a part of the show. We do a guest about every four or five yeah, weeks. Oh. Next week, by the way, next week, we'll make a note. We're doing listener's choice. And we're going to do the drawing on Monday night. So get your selections in by ruling of the board. The board being the three of us. <laughs> Uh, we, oh, I thought we were nope. we're not doing it tonight. That's right, we're doing it Monday night. Okay, well, yeah, we usually try to give people a few night. more days, right? Yeah. Okay, that's a good yeah, idea. Good, point, good, good call. Yeah. Okay, all right, so all right. yeah, we'll do it Monday night. But you only get one selection, folks. So no, you know, no all star ballot stuff where you just dump dump votes in. That's not cool. One movie <laughs> per person. Never ending story two. Ah! <laughs> Jonathan Brandis, rest in power, man. Yeah, uh, what, was what was the guy? Mark uh, Mark Ship, the guy that played the Flash. Oh, his name is. John Wesley Ship, I think his name is. That's it. Jack Black's in that too, isn't he? <laughs> I believe Jack Black? Black is in that movie, and there is oh, some man. sort of like weird big bird knockoff thing. Oh, that it's bird is so horrifying. That. That's yeah. that's frightening. It's frightening. So, so, someone put up a a meme of like, you know, how 2020 has been awful, and they put how 2020 thought it was going to be, and it had the the kid riding Falcor, and then how 2020 was, and they had a trade trying to yeah. pull his horse oh. out of the mud. I'm like, oh, that's brutal. <laughs> Still one of the saddest movie scenes I've ever seen. It is, never it, it hits you so when you're young. It's tough to get rid of that feeling. But let's talk happier things. Well, maybe yeah. it might not be happy. Time travel films. Now, we're doing Back to the Future as our Does It Hold Up today? But we thought we'd look at you know some of our personal favorites. Or maybe you, you can rip on it. You can bring a movie to the table that's just got off the trash. But three time travel films of note. Or we could do dog films. We could have... That's why right I put there, my dog downstairs. I gotta get rid of these fucking dogs. <laughs> All right, well, we'll come back to Eric. So we could go with Travis. Travis, why don't you get us started as you always do? What's uh, one of your favorite or maybe least favorite time travel films? So you know, this is one uh, a category I've wanted to do for some time. I feel like it's a it's a rich genre. There's a lot there, and like you know, the more I thought about, it, the more movies I came up with. My I've, I've way more um, like honorary mentions than I ordinarily would have. Uh, but I'll skip those for now, and I'll start with my number three movie, which is Ryan Johnson's Looper. I really like Looper. Oh. I think that it's a uh, really solid film. One of the things I like most about the time travel genre is the way, like most science fiction, you know, it's like a, uh, you get all these other allegories and that kind of stuff. And, and it's a good way to look at, like, 
how we defeat ourselves, how we, you know, the choices we make to make today might fuck us up tomorrow. We don't really think things through. And I think that that whole concept gets played with really well there. And then you also have some like fun sci-fi elements. You got Paul Dano coming in. You got, it's, it's a good movie all around. So blunderbuss got the blunderbuss guns. So that's my, uh, my number three looper. Interesting. I don't think Looper is. I don't think it gets enough respect. What do you think of that? Who are we talking to? Who are we talking to? (laughs) (laughs) You're right. I'm sorry. I just had a total brain fart. That was one of the worst hosting moments I've ever had. You could edit that out. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's live stream. So who cares? Hey, everybody, you're seeing that. I'm an idiot. So great. Cool. Looper. Eric, what do you got? What's next? Eric, what do you love about time terrible films? Give us something good or give us something terrible. (laughs) <laughs> I was trying to figure out if Groundhog Day was technically a time travel movie. Yeah. I'm, call, I'm calling it Christmas yeah, Carol. I, if, if you call Christmas Carol a time travel movie, oh, yeah. which it kind of is, I'm, I'm going to call Groundhog Day a time travel yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll go with that then. So, yeah, I mean, you can argue with the point. It's like a pr- I don't know what you call it, but then, technically you're going back in time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can't beat that. I had to do that. I was going to do that somewhere in the show. So. Yeah, we were all you're, reliving the, you're reliving the same moments over and over again. It's got to kind of be time travel, yeah, right? There you go. It's, it's, yep. a, it's a temporal film. I, I disagree Ooh. that it's time oh, travel. Oh, but, here we go. Uh, to each their own. Otherwise, I that you know that would that changes the whole the whole new ball game. Yeah, that but, could change the whole game. But you know, that's fine. Everyone likes Groundhog Day. Can't fuck with that. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. Well, I. I you are welcome to make your choices here. That's what the show is all about. Freedom sure. of expression. Uh, Matt, what do you got? I don't know. There's so many. Like, uh, Endgame was was awesome for, like, making fun of past time travel movies and actually getting into, like, how time travel works is, like, you know, with the Avengers. Terminator 2 was awesome. But I actually love the movie Frequency, which, again, I don't oh. know if we're technically going to call this time travel because it's, like, a time rift kind of thing. Mm-hmm. No one's ever seen it. It basically takes place... It was back in 2000, modern day, um, and it, it uh, was at uh, John Caviezel, the guy who played, you know, uh, Jesus, Passion of the Christ, and he is a cop, modern day, and you know, he lost his father when he was really young, and they're trying to, they're looking through this cold case of a murderer that took place back in like uh, 1969, and he ends up getting this like transistor radio, and he's messing with it, and he has actually ends up being able to talk to his dad, uh, and through all these different circumstances, he actually gets to prevent his dad from dying uh, in a fire because he actually knows the day it happened. And there's all these really cool things with the 1969 Mets where he tries to prove to him that he's actually from the future. Um, <laughs> but then his dad actually ends up like, um, you know, solving the a murder and, uh, and, uh, but they, they do that whole thing with like squashing butterflies where they change things in the past. Yeah. And uh, the murderer actually ends up being like free and he comes for the son to like try to, you know, try to murder him like modern day. And then, like, the dad pretty much comes in at the very end, like, not dead, surprising everyone, busts through the door and, like, you know, kills kills the bad guy. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, are we not supposed to do that? No, I'm kidding. How old is that? 20 movie? years like, old. 20 years, yeah. Oh, my Christ. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to Gregory Hoblet? Because he made Frequency and Primal Fear and Fallen. Fallen. He had a nice stretch there for a while. Yeah. Hmm. I actually never saw Frequency. Um Sometimes I get that mixed up with white noise. Is that because yeah. it's about- make sure when you look at white when you're looking for frequency, make sure you don't look up the crappy TV show they did. A, they tried to do like a, a remake of the idea. Don't, oh don't boy! No, but they have some cool stuff though. Like he he gives his uh, his childhood friend he he tells him the word Yahoo 
when it's like 1969 and he ends up like making a ton of money. You see him driving like a Porsche with Yahoo as the vanity plate at the end. There's a lot of cool, <laughs> cool time travel play. Kind of like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the almanac in Back to the Future 2. They do some cool stuff. Oh boy. Well then you're going to love, my, you're going to love this because it is. one of my favorite time travel movies of all time is Hot Tub Time Machine. I knew I it. I knew it. it. <laughs> I love it. I love Hot Tub Time Machine. It's so <laughs> funny. You know, uh, Clark Duke's in it, and he had that little run where he was a person of relevance for a minute, and he was—he's funny in it. I don't know what happened to him. He did a movie, what, Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas. Recently? He just wrote and directed it. Yeah. Yeah, it I started. never saw that one. It was okay. But yeah, you know, Chevy Chase is the dick. We all know that, but he's funny in the movie. He really plays this like aloof, annoying mechanic trying to fix the hot tub but won't tell them anything about it. It's actually a running gag. I like. And Crispin Glover is hilarious, and everything about it. It's just like this. They all coalesced together for a perfect cast. And when they tried to do the sequel, it was utter garbage. And it, it was just never going to be the same. But Are you telling me the sequel to that movie was garbage? No fucking way. Sure. Uh, we, another question. Are we allowed to swear on the show? This oh, is, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, it's okay. yeah, these guys take the pride in no censorship very seriously. And cool. I respect it. That's why I'm wearing a shirt that says fix the shit. So I'm not really surprised you went with Hop Top Time Machine. You figured you'd just go with the uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and just, you know, the original shitty time travel movie. I like Bill and Ted a lot, mm. but I actually prefer Hot Tub Time Machine. I'm, I'm gonna. We gotta get personal preference. Oh, yeah, Matt's yeah. making a face. If you're talking about how podcast. horrible the new one looks, I'm gonna see it immediately. Looks like shit. Looks yeah, all, so right. bad, so bad. <laughs> but there's some Are things you, like the trailer for the new Saved by the Bell. I'm like, oh, it's so unwatchable. I'm gonna watch it immediately though. <laughs> looks so bad. Oh man, what is happening? Wait, Travis, would you see the new Bill and Ted like pretty quickly? Of fucking course, man. I'm an American. I'm gonna watch the movie. <laughs> What else you got for us, Travis? I know you got some. Goodies. So my number two movie, I'll save my honorable mentions for later. Uh, my number two is another Bruce Willis feature, Terry Gilliam's oh, 12 geez. Monkeys. How could this mm. not be on one of our lists? If, there it I, is. I wouldn't be surprised. But I wouldn't be surprised if I'm not the only one with it on there. It's I've, such I've a actually direct... never seen the whole thing, by the way. Oh, Tom. dude, it's it's a directorial delight. I mean, so the production design, the way it looks is so it's just peak Gilliam. Um Brad Pitt, uh, unhinged, just going fucking ape shit through this whole movie. Maybe he could have been reined in some in the second act, but but overall very good. <laughs> some of the best stuff that Bruce Willis did, and it's a really yeah. fun and uh, you know it really plays with causality, and it's kind of a whodunit at the same time. There's a lot oh. going on there, and uh, and it and it holds. The TV show is good too, uh, even though it went out. It was very much a departure from the movie, but the movie itself, of course, was a remake of a French film. So. Go figure. Was this like a contractual yeah. thing back in the day? Every movie had the rights to an immediate TV show to try to capitalize on a successful film. <laughs> it wasn't immediate. It was like 15, 20 years later. But, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, never mind them. I was just thinking Matt said frequency and we got 12 monkeys, the TV oh, show. Yeah. Tra Eric Branch. You <laughs> Eric Branch, you love like my film. dad trying to name one of his kids. <laughs> Eric Branch. Uh, Let's get serious. Um, Let, yes. Let's. <laughs> primer. Primer. All right. You have to mention primer because it's so like low ball, uh -huh. unique. Like it's it's the whole thing is about time travel. It's not just like silly antics. It's not the like the almanac and like cutesy wootsy, blah, 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 teenagers. It's just time travel exclusively. These two bozo scientists create this time machine. <laughs> And what I love about it is the device they use, because in the film, you can't go back before the time machine was actually created. 
And I don't remember really ever seeing that in a time travel movie before. No. You know what I it's mean? Like the, it's and like they, the prestige where they have to like reproduce themselves, basically. That's right? exactly right. And they take advantage of that by creating multiple versions of themselves. And it's not like multiplicity wacky, which which is a fucking awesome movie, Beef. but it, it's it's played for it's you know, it's played for real kicks. It's 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 so good. Shane Carruth, the director's follow-up, you know, upstream color. Did you guys see that? No, he really fell oh, off after that. He fell movie. off, yeah. Shane uh, never heard of it. Seemed really promising. It, it, it was a, it's, it's a very cerebral film, but uh, I also like that it's, uh, it really explores uh, their friendship too. There's, yeah. There's, so it's very practical movie, but it's also very. There's a heart to it too. I'm still Nailed hung up on. that you brought up multiplicity. I love that freaking movie. <laughs> I feel, you I make a copy of a, of a copy. <laughs> <laughs> that movie is starting to get on Paul Schrader level. I'm a little concerned. It's come up at least three or four times lately. It's getting a lot of run on this show. And, and now I just you've brought up know. Paul Schrader. All right. Damn it. There. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's, we have to immediately end the show. There it is. Let's just get okay. shot collars. We'll just electrocute each other every time that, like, you know, Paul Schrader comes up. Or... Like Ghostbusters. I was watching Taxi. Uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> what else do you got, Matt? Um, time after time. Oh, movie from 1979. Uh, the uh, main <laughs> character is actually H.G. Wells, uh, you know, actual the H.G. Wells, but he's playing himself in the movie. Um, not now he's he's not in the movie, <laughs> but you know, I mean, he's the character. Malcolm McDowell is playing him, and he actually uh, Jack the Ripper gets a hold of his time machine <laughs> that he created, and he actually leaves and goes into the future to get out of time, and H.G. Wells has to follow him. I know we're going to talk about Billy Zane. Uh, another guy that uh, right out of Titanic, the evil, hmm. the evil butler bastard who like pr plants the, uh, what was it the jewelry or what is it? He plants yeah. it on uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, he's actually plays Jack the Ripper in this one, <laughs> David Warner. So uh, <laughs> oh, a little yeah. crossover for this as well. So uh, yeah, that that's that is a fantastic movie. Wow. It sounds bonkers. I, I've heard of it, but never seen what it. What a plot. You, you just sold me on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. it's good. Yeah. That actually reminded me, Travis, of. <laughs> Uh, America's Sweethearts with the time overtime where they're doing the movie within the movie. That's the yeah, first yeah. thing I thought of, which is so sad. Stanley Tucci is one of his best thing. What if he killed himself at the premiere? And he's, like, he's looking for everyone to get on board. And they're is like, they oh, I'm just, what is wrong with <laughs> I love yes. that movie. It's great. Uh, I mean, let's we're this is running long. Why don't we skip to Travis? Why don't you give us your top dog, man, or some honorable? You, don't, let's you, hear don't, it want, you don't got a third or a second? Yeah, I, but we right. got four of us today. We got a heavy crowd. I'm, I can sit it up. Well, I'm gonna throw out my, my honorable mentions real quick. Just um, predestination was one that definitely came to mind. I was gonna rewatch <laughs> um, safety not guaranteed, and um, I was gonna rewatch that today. And then I looked it up, and it wasn't like streaming anywhere. Then I saw an article saying that it was on Netflix as of today, and I checked like right before we recorded. It's fucking on Netflix like right now, so I'll probably watch that later. But anyways, oh. my um, my last movie actually has already been mentioned: uh, Avengers Endgame. Not only is it fun. Wow. For being a culmination i'm like take that out of the equation take that out of the equation it's a damn good uh science fiction movie it's it's good uh it follows rules of time travel you guys are shaking your heads fuck <laughs> both of you it follows the rules of time travel way better than back to the future does what? i'll tell you Whoa. that right now God. I'm out. I, oh, they actually absolutely. shit on back to the future in it which i love yeah like, I like that too paul road actually brings it up like, that's total bullshit I, I will tell you right now that that, that, that Back to the Future is inconsistent with it, with its time travel. I'll, I'll bring it up later when we get into that. But I I, I like that. It, it, I think it's way more consistent in what it's doing. I like that it revisits other movies and times. And I also like that it really it, it's priming its audience to go along with these extreme sci-fi comic book themes that like 
Joe America maybe isn't really ready for, but now you're dealing with like these multiple versions of Nebula and like these and and, and the, the movements of Thanos over time and like dealing with these different versions of Loki and stuff. Uh, I think it trusts its audience to be smarter than maybe people think that MCU is. So yeah. Endgame number one. There has never <laughs> been a smarter use of time travel in cinematic history in terms of what they needed to do, tying like what? 10 plus movies together. No, I'm saying their goal in tying the entire MCU together and how they were going to do the old, uh, you know, the, 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 the fan service that star Wars tried and, you know, gave half people like to half paid it. I think that as far as the device, they used time travel to get what they, where they needed to go. It was, it was beautiful. You got to travel back to other movies. So I'm not saying like, as far as a, artistically it was like you know the sharpest thing but i think as far as what they tried to do it was it was fantastic i mean just i don't think they could have and you couldn't have tied that many movies together and go back and like hit up their your greatest hits album better than they did with using time travel okay i'll give it to you yeah i, I don't want to poo-poo anybody's good times i just well it is I'm you know is it is what it, it is what it is oh no <laughs> I remember walking out of that film being like, this was preposterous, but you it was also somebody had to I wake did. me up when it ended. I was like, you yeah, walked out <laughs> on it? no, when I left, I'm like, oh, God, okay. this was preposterous. Did you guys see all of the other movies before that one? Yes. Of course. yes. And you walked out of that? No, yeah. he didn't walk no, out I mean, on it at the end. When I left the film, no, when he, when I he walked exited away, the theater, when it finally concluded and Steve Rogers was 97 years old. And I was like, man, I don't know. It just didn't strike me the way. So I know a lot of people, I don't want to discuss this. We could do a whole show about this film, but I digress. Eric, give us your number one. Eric. Give it to us. Come on, hook us up. <laughs> My honorable mentions are uh, Edge of Tomorrow, a Doug Ooh. Lyman Ooh. film with Tom Cruise. I actually really like that movie Somewhere in Time with Christopher Reeve and Ben <laughs> Seymour. I'm sorry. Ooh. You're allowed. Uh, it, it's solid. Uh, You're allowed to like it. I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> I won't judge you. <clears throat> I promise. <laughs> Yeah, Army of Darkness, uh, Evil Dead 3, and uh, my number one's Back to the Future 2, which I don't want to get into, but uh, that's just my personal favorite time travel movie. Okay. Uh, T2 Judgment Day. I mean, technically, maybe that's time travel, but that's so, like, definitely. It, it has time travel in it. It's That's why they come back in time. I would definitely put that in that category. Cool. Yeah, call that a time travel movie. Yeah. Awesome. All right, Matt, what about you? What is your number one with a bullet? But that besides Back to the Future one and two, it's it is yeah. actually is Terminator two. Oh, uh, my it, bad, dude. No, sometimes no, it's that. No, you know, it, no. I mean, that's it. Just did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. hey, you're, you, something bad happens in the future. You know, the the machines catch wind of it. They're gonna come back yep. in time, try to kill you. It's perfect. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. it's a you know James Cameron <laughs> did a wonderful job. Uh, you know, great action movie, good movie. It's just uh, they use time travel perfectly. It's very simple. Yeah. You know, we're coming back in time to change something. It's yeah. just you know there wasn't much to screw up there. We have a purpose on the show where we try not to forget how great movies work because there's a sense of time that passes and then it minimizes things. People start to make fun of it and it turns into a joke. I think we try on the show to remember, hey, that was a really good film and it was a huge cultural icon and it deserves to have that recognition. So I think they kind of pissed on it ever since, though. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. These yeah. remakes. Oh, my God. Christian Bale tried his best, <laughs> failed. <laughs> Yeah, not everything can be a franchise. Yeah. Oh, wow! They did a TV show out of that too. They tried that was another <laughs> sure movie tried. with the TV yep. show. Yeah. They're like, let's do comic books, let's do video games, let's do <laughs> fucking everything, lunchboxes, whatever people will buy. Make it more, more, more. Yeah. 
Okay, well, there it is, folks. Those are some great choices. Hey, do you have time travel films you want to share with us? Do you want we to just take did. a picture of yourself? Oh, oh <laughs> Take a picture you of to... yourself going back in time. Yes, yes. Take a picture of yourself going back in time and show us how it's done. We would love to see that. Send it to us at cinnamonipod at protonmail.com, cinnamonipod, Instagram, cinnamonipod, and Twitter. We're everywhere. We're on all the formats, Facebooks, and all the trash you waste your lives with, including myself. I waste my time as well, so don't think I am you know, removed from that situation. We are Get a selfie with you that. and your other self from 2003. Yeah, that would be great. That's, that could be a, I might go viral, Eric. I like it. Create a time paradox. <laughs> okay. So now let's get to it. Matt Williams came here for a reason. He chose Back to the Future, 1985. Not the trilogy, not part three, the god awful nightmare. No, just part one. Give me, give me a tab. Tab? I can't give you a tab unless you order something. All right, give me a Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it. Look, just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Something without sugar. Hey, McFly! What do you think you're doing? Biff. Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish bunk. Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh... Well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till Monday. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly. Think. I gotta have time to recopy it. You realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? I'll get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you? Would you? Well, now, of course not. No, I wouldn't no. want that to happen. So what are you looking at, butthead? Hey, Biff, get all of this guy's life preserver. Dork thinks he's gonna drown. Yeah. So, uh, how about my homework, McFly? Uh, okay, Biff. Well, I'll, uh, I'll finish that on up tonight, and then I'll, uh, bring it over first thing tomorrow morning. Okay, not too early. I sleep in Sundays. Oh, mm -hmm. McFly, your shoe's untied. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> don't be so gullible, McFly. Okay. I don't want to see you in here again. Okay. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. <laughs> 1980s DeLoreans. <laughs> so iconic. I mean, where do you start here? I mean, Matt, we'll we'll let you start. You're the guest of honor. Matt, what what uh what what do you love about this film? What do you remember the first time you saw this film? Could you go back in time and remember the impression it left on you? Probably not. I guess I saw it when I was very little. No, I mean it's I don't you always say it's a perfect film because it's not it's a perfect film because it does it does exactly what it was supposed to. It originally had a different actor cast. Uh, if you look at any of the uh, if you look at any of the clips back before Michael J. Fox was cast, it was a totally different film. They ended up landing on the correct people. And, you know, they it's just it's a uh, you know, it's funny. There's some drama in there. You know, it's it's a family film. It's mm -hmm. it does hold up and has a lot of it has a lot of um, a lot of remake ability that actually makes sense. I know Robert Zemeckis is pretty much <gasps> my dead body kind of a thing. But as far as parallels to if they wanted to. There's plenty in here because of, you know, the uh, the Back to the Future 2, which is perfect. They go to 2015, which has passed. So this is a movie where if you're alive and can appreciate the original, it can't be remade. But in the future, whenever when it's, you know, cast away and people can be less less upset about it, then, you know, the whole thing where, you know, Ronald Reagan, the actor, you know, who's president of the United States in 1985 and now Donald Trump's the president. I mean, there's plenty of is that. It, what? Who? What? 
Who are we talking about? <laughs> I said, is he? Who? <laughs> oh, oh, you just don't even pretend he doesn't exist. Um, no, there's just there's plenty of cool stuff that uh, you know obviously can be done where you do it in present time and go deeper into the future. The 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 whole fear being most remakes are trash. Um, yeah. I honestly yeah. can't think of many that I like at all. So you know, there's that's the, always the the big issue. But there's just so many. They just do the movie so well as far as like, you know, where they allude to certain things in the future. They go back in the past. You see a lot of those things like the the Jackie Gleason episode in The Honeymooners when they're sitting there when his dad's like a big nerd and he's do that laugh like that. Ah, ah, ah. It's like uncomfortable to watch. They're watching that. They go back into the past with, uh you know, with his, his mom's family. They're watching that. We can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. They're watching the same exact episode, which is actually one called like A Man From Time. There's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. I agree. I, I think it's an interesting film. Travis, I remember the first time you saw this film because you called me right after. You know, we were really good friends back in 1985. Wow. Yeah, we <laughs> used phones and everything. It was no, I'm kidding. This I had no idea true. where Travis was or who he was in 1985. <laughs> but do you do you think you saw that movie after it came out, probably on video? Or do you even recall? I, I know that I, I remember seeing like the to be continued thing at the end and being like, they make sequels to movies like there's there's like like there's going to be another one. So I think that I, I, that was either the first or the second I saw in the theaters. I, so I'm not really 100% sure. But if, but it's, it goes so fat so far back. It's just like it's always been part of my life. Um, and it's uh, I think it's important to go every now and then and not, you know, classics are classics usually for a reason. But sometimes it's just kind of like this agreed upon consensus. And then you go back and revisit collectively and people go oh they, they reappraise and and uh so i think it's so part of me was like i think this movie's gonna hold up before we before i sat down to watch it though it had been a long time you know probably good uh, you know not 10 years but up or up towards that since i'd watched it uh and i do think it's important every now and then to sit down and 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 see is this still a good movie Glad to do it. Mm, that's beautiful. <laughs> well said. Eric, I don't even know where to start with you, man, but do you remember the first time you saw it? Do you remember the impression it left on you? It changed your life, literally. More than adaptation did, I'm sure. <laughs> this is the first movie I remember seeing as a human being, okay? And Joanne had the VHS. We're like, no one even knew what a VHS VCR was. I still remember <laughs> the label. Future was spelled wrong on it. We wore it out so much that we couldn't even play it in, like, 1988, I watched it every single day. I know every word. It's probably the most the movie that I know absolutely the most about. So I'm pumped with this decision, Matt. I cannot wait to talk about it. It's a perfect film. It is timeless. It will never age. They can never remake it. Period. <laughs> okay. Well, they can never remake it. That is hardcore. I hope they never do it. I do know that the first time I saw it was not the first movie I had ever seen. The first mm -hmm. movie I had ever seen was believe et that's my first memory it's either et or ghostbusters in 1984 somehow i was in the theater and i barely can remember that happening the penn theater in plymouth michigan by the way guys oh the old, great theater the old, the old pen yeah uh but of course on this show we always like to pay tribute take a look back in time get it back in time <laughs> don't do that again <laughs> get it back in time okay huey lewis is great by the way this i'll never not think of Huey Lewis when I think of this film. But in 1985, this film was a big hit. It hasn't, can we guess? Anybody who hasn't looked? Oh, anybody want? 9.4. Yeah. On IMDb, Matt, do you, did you already look or do you think you know? It's not guess? a 10, it's wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's got to be like a 9.2 or something. Eric, do you know or did you look? 
I haven't looked. Eight. Uh, nine point one. You guys are all a little high. It's in the eights. Eight point five. Really? What the? Fuck? Well, I think they're, maybe all, they're all dumb. Bunch of kids. It has what over one million ratings on it, which is definitely a high percentage or, or a, a high wow. output. Yeah. And then on Rotten Tomatoes, the scores are very tight. 96 and 94. Very close. The audience is 94. Critics, 96. That's about as close and as high as we will ever see. I mean, we've had. <laughs> I'll, I'll defend this movie like it's my child. They can step off. The, the song <laughs> me and my wife danced to at our wedding was Earth Angel. And it was the version <laughs> from this movie. Marvin Berry. <laughs> Mar yeah, Marvin Berry singing the song. That is the actual version we danced to as our first dance. That's fucking awesome. You're not kidding. You're putting your money where your mouth is, as they say. Absolutely. I, by the way, Matt, did, I don't know if you read any of the criticisms of this film, but we'd like to go back in Ooh. time. We do have one from 1985. This is July 3rd, 1985. And it's from bullseye.com. I don't know how it's possible to have a website in 1985. How, how did you find this? I don't know. <laughs> I'm basing this. There was no bullseye.com in 1985. No, but it's possible that it was a rag and then it became a website. So we'll, like we'll ARPA or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it says, although the Zemeckis and Gale script has its corny moments, it's also what? genius. It combines action, romance, comedy, drama, and science fiction with impressive dexterity and has aged better than most of its contemporaries. A solid review. And then if we get up to the more, there's one more from 1985, which is just BS, but whatever. James Burden and Anelli from Real Views. He's a top critic with a gold star, folks. One of the mid-80s most enduring and enjoyable confections. An infectious mix of comedy, fantasy, satire, excitement, and nostalgia. And, of course, we got to do one bogus one, and I'm trying to find one. It's not easy, but I did find one, and this is from December 2002. This is Ken Hankey. He's got a big old mustache. Ken and Hankey. A Fuck yeah, you, Ken Hankey. I don't even got to hear your thoughts. I hate you already. <laughs> he's got a hell of a mustache, and he's from the Mountain Express, which is in Asheville, North Carolina, which is a great place to visit, by the way. Good barbecue, good tunes. Bad critics. Too cute, too clever, too damn smug. That's it. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Too, too, too clever. They cover too a guy clever. in manure. And too smug. What was smug about it? Hey, They're man, using the word like... butthead like on a continual basis. <laughs> a butthead. By the way, my favorite word of the butthead is in uh, Scrooged. When <laughs> oh, Scrooged. It's my yeah, favorite well, movie. One of my favorite, my favorite movies. Christmas I have so movie. many yeah. favorite movies. That's probably my that? favorite Christmas movie. What's his name? Uh, what's the guy's name? The David Johansson? Buster Poindexter. No, the boss, the old man who thinks he's in shape, but he's like old old man out of shape oh, guy. You know? Oh, uh, from Scrooge. Who, uh, gonna... Robert Mitchum. Thank you, Robert, yeah. Robert Mitchum. Yes. I always go around the house saying, because he calls him, he says that You're he's a flatulating. Sorry, butthead. Yeah, you're a flatulating <laughs> butthead. You're flatulating he goes, butthead. A butthead. 
That's how he says it. It's so much. <laughs> a butthead. I just love saying that's that all the time. Your salary, your ass. Never mind. <laughs> all right. Anyways, back to the other okay. movie. So clearly, there's a lot of love. Uh, Matt's talking about. I mean, talking about dancing to Earth Angel at your wedding. That's commitment. Clearly, <laughs> hey, that is actually afraid. quite literally the best version of that of that song. Oh, I'm not even kidding. I understand, and I do not stand in judgment. I think it's a lovely song. I would dance to it with a woman. That sounds great. Um, but we'd have to keep our distance, so I don't know if I could. No, do it's that fine because right they built in that um, the the buildup, you know, at the very end where he's about to, you know, Marty's about to, you know, literally fade into obscurity, and uh, he actually reaches the peak where Marvin, you know, is looking over at him, and then he actually hits the peak of the song there, and he, uh, and it's like then he, it's like all happier, and the actual background of the music like picks up because everything's good. It just, uh, it's like kind of a, uh, goosebumps kind of thing. I feel like you like the song in the movie. So it's like kind of ties it together. My wife loves it also. So that's why it ties in. So it's of course, great, the, star, it's the star of the movie, uh, music wise is obviously Huey Lewis. <laughs> so that's a really great moment in the movie, but as I'm afraid to criticize this movie since it obviously means so much to you guys, but I'm going to, um, because one of the issues that I have with the movie and, and so I, I really do like that moment when he stands back up, when his, when his hand comes back, it's a great, it's a great moment. Don't get me wrong. But I, I also don't like that. There's two climaxes here. I've never thought this yeah. has never felt right to me. Why is there these two beats? Like he already defeats the bully. He defeats the shadow, the, the, the bad guy, the, the nemesis. And then this fucking redheaded bozo just blows in and yeah. all the self-confidence that he just mustered 20 minutes ago in the parking lot just evaporates and he's got to like walk away. The whole scene doesn't really need to be there. And I think that it makes nailed the movie it. a little weaker. That's the worst part of the movie. You nailed it. I wrote that down too. Fucking Courtney Gaines. I, I, think, shows up. I, think, I think it's a thing where one was a flash in the moment where he was just saving someone. And this was like, no he actually has changed. Like he re knows he can do it now. And now he, you know, he made the decision. He did it twice. And now, yeah. you know what they say? Like, it, what do they take 30 days for something to become a habit? <laughs> so yeah. they just wanted to, I guess, reinforce yeah. that. Yes. I, I think that's, you make a good point there, but I also, there's the whole fact that they go in the future and like, congratulations, you're now upper middle class. So that kind of, <laughs> that kind of takes place anyway. <laughs> We kind of get that, you know, he already get, we already get him bossing Biff around and like, hey, make sure you don't fuck me over with the spit shine there, Biff. You know, so so like it just it still seems a little I mean, I get your point, well, but I think well here, I actually have a better point for that. It's you you um you get the double shot of why George McFly becomes better. We needed a double shot of how Biff became worse. He gets punched in the face once. And all of a sudden he's, you know, he's, he's, he's being a little bitch. Yeah. We needed to see something else happen to Biff. You know, all of a sudden he's just waxing this guy's car. I wanted to see something else happen, you know, like, uh, you know, something. You know, I mean, you're not going to see that in the movie, but I think that's kind of the thing where one event all of a sudden leads to it. Wow. It's like you're criticizing it or something, Matt. Ah! <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think that's no, I think uh, the same thing you're saying. I think that I would like to see that on that side. Yeah. I don't know how they would have possibly fit it in. Timeline is impossible. Right. Yeah. It starts to get like, all right, how much day new do we need here? Yeah. The, yeah, the, the hobbits have returned to the fucking Shire. All right, go ahead. <laughs> George's book, A Match Made in Space, wouldn't be a bestseller. It looks so dumb. <laughs> and it's also, it's like his first book. Like, what have you been doing that you're so successful? But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That's a fair point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, what, what is he doing, right? No, is he I, banker? I What's know. he doing? I don't know. He's just being they successful. They still live in the same house where they were like lowlifes or whatever. But now they got it remodeled. Hello. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Leah Thompson so, lost a couple LBs. Everything's good. She's not drunk uh, all day. There you go. Um, 
Does anybody have this comes up a lot? This is one of the criticisms of the film is it seems awfully incestuously close to being incestuous. And yeah. is it really that big a deal or is this a fair criticism of the film? Uh, I want to nah, hear I it mean, from I think that's I mean, he goes back. She she he's obvious, ob, you know, he's like she he's eerily familiar. He she feels he feels comfortable to her. Because obviously, you know, they're mother and son. But then they have, they have that movie where he's constantly trying to go away. That look where he's trying to escape her. Like he's, yeah. you know, the look on his Perfect. eyes. And Very she looks cringy. terrified when she kissed him. Like, you know, it's like I'm kissing my brother. And it's just like over. So, I mean, it just goes like, yeah, they didn't know. But then, wow, they do know. And they were both very uncomfortable after. So, yeah, I think it's fine. What about the theory that Doc is actually Marty's father? Have you guys heard this one? Come on. No. Who the hell came up with that? Sounds like a bunch of bullshit. It's not a theory, on the internet, but... people are talking about oh, it's it. On the internet. Like, yeah. Um, so I, I think it's... You think Doc was one of the creepos in the tree? Because <laughs> <laughs> he did say another one of those damn kids jumped in front yeah. of the car. Like, how many people fell in front of that house? How many people? Yeah, come on. What <laughs> the know? hell? <laughs> I, I do think that it's like funny that the that incest is such a major theme of this wildly successful family film from the 80s. <laughs> but at the same time, we're, we're, we're talking about a, a time when family films of the 80s, like a, it was a common trope for non-white people to fire AK-47s. That was, mm -hmm. hey, it's a, just a normal family movie, AK-47 being fired by a terrorist now. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. the norm. Yeah. <laughs> I, Dr. Emmett Brown, am about to embark on an historic journey. What am I thinking of? I almost forgot to bring extra plutonium. How did I ever expect to get back? One pellet, one trip. I must be out of my mind. What is it, Arnie? Oh, my God. They found me. I don't know how, but they found me. Run for it, Marty! Who? Who? Who do you think? So that you, then that way you can get the plutonium that you keep in your road case because that's where you keep your plutonium. Well, that's a simple movie trope. Yeah, everybody keeps plutonium in a nice little road case ready to go. It's easily accessible and you can take it anyway. I love it how he uh, he kept it in a garage where he just had the key under the mat. <laughs> that was also fantastic. Well, he's a, he's a reckless guy. I like it when the the car go, like he's, he's like makes a little fake uh, hills that, or what's it called hill town? What's it, what the fuck it's called? And like the Hell car Valley. goes blowing, yeah, Hillvale. And the, har, the car goes blowing off, and it's, it goes straight towards. It's like, oh, straight towards my collection of oily rags and paint thinner. Like, <laughs> this guy is reckless as fuck. <laughs> what kind of scientist? That's awesome. And the, fa you know, the fact that the so the DeLorean has remained this huge iconic part of this film. Maybe the most iconic part of it, probably. Oh, yeah, uh, well, the iconic cars a, of all time. Yeah, but it's also you know made by one of these biggest scumbags that ever lived too. So that's interesting. <laughs> 
It's funny how when you pick these moments, you create an iconic thing that is, it's a physical object. So people are like, oh, I can see it. I love it. It's got the wings, doors. It's, it's driven awesome. by Glenn Gulia in the, uh, the the wedding singer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Glenn Gulia oh. loves his DeLorean. And to think it was almost a, it was almost a refrigerator. That was what they were going to go with originally. It was going to be a refrigerator that was the mode of transportation. Like the Joker? You just climb into it? (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. There was a fucking fridge and then a nuclear bomb. It was a very different movie. The original was originally approved to be shot. Well, speaking of a different movie, do you guys let's think about this for a minute, because I think it's worth mentioning. Matt already alluded to it. You know, the Eric Stoltz version of this film. What would it have been like, Matt? How how would this movie have gone for you? It wouldn't have been anywhere near as enjoyable or uh, or comfortable because Michael J. Fox is <laughs> oh, kind of like this like awkward kind of like you want to be his friend like you know he's Stoltz. If again, if anyone hasn't seen this, go back. There's you can YouTube it like his screen tests. He's so serious. And it's yeah. he's so Eric Stoltz about it. Yeah, it's just yeah, it, it's completely. I mean, because Doc was always going to be goofy. Biff was always going to be goofy. This this needed the Marty McFly yeah. character to be like Michael J. Fox. Eric Stoltz, if for his part to have worked, they would have needed to turn this into like a drama. And it, you know, it would have for hit for his part to have worked. It would have be it had had to have been a different movie. For what I yeah. understand, like yeah, he took it like really seriously and was like, this is like, you know, this is a, some serious Greek drama shit. Some some <laughs> some Oedipus stuff going on. Like and he like approached <laughs> it like very seriously, uh, which you know on paper I guess I can kind of understand. Yeah, yeah uh, without Michael J. Fox, there is no movie. It, it, this has got to be for me like one of the top five marriages of of actor and role. He's got this manic energy. He's all squirrel and he's he's fun and. I think his best attribute is is he's such a reactionary actor and and that so much part of the character is just him reacting to all these circumstances. And Eric Stoltz, he's like a zombie in that footage you see online. And anyone else, they just they wouldn't have the energy. And I, I just love him. And he's he seems mature and a little bit wise, even though he's like 17, but he's also fun and just wants to be a rock star. I love it. What about the fact that Mr. Strickland doesn't age? Isn't that weird? I noticed that neither he nor Doc to actually ages like and also like Principal Strickland like really hit a career ceiling like 30 years as principal. You didn't make it a superintendent or anything. What the fuck? Born, born, to, shoot, born to shoot down slackers. That's all he wanted. Absolutely. They took care of the plot hole. They said, geez, yeah. did that guy ever have hair? Boom. They, you know, you gotta, they're like, you is. can't even get out trolls. You can't even ask us about it. We took care of it. Strickland. Jesus, didn't that guy ever have hair? Shape up, man. You're a slacker. Do you want to be a slacker for the rest of your life? I do want to give James Tolkien some credit, though, for delivering some frankly really cliche dialogue in a convincing way, which you're not ever going to mount the shit or basically, you know, it's, it's like the stuff that he's throwing at him is like it's it's all just like here's some random exposition and like how the father is viewed in the town. It's all kind of wooden, but like Tolkien does a really yeah. good job of being like, wow, King Prick. And you kind of like don't even notice what he's actually saying. Just that no McFly has ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley. Like, really? Yeah. Just go, you know, I mean, just give up. It's a cheesy line, but I don't think Zemeckis gets enough credit for his his direction because the way he stages actors, in particularly that exchange right there, just makes everything so interesting. I didn't notice it as much until on this recent viewing. No one can set up like a plot or like that first half hour, like Bob Zemeckis, when it comes to like a fun, thrilling action movie, in my opinion. 
No, he does all sorts of stuff that really sets up little moments like when um when Marty like uh, attacks Biff in the gym you know, in the cafeteria in 1955 and mm. you have him looking all confident and then you have Biff come over yep. and then all of a sudden he stands up straight and you have you see um Marty's and then it goes the camera rises up so you can only <laughs> see his eyes bugging out. It's just like it's a small thing but a little thing you know really kind of made the entire scene which led to so, obviously the one of the coolest scenes in the entire movie with him going you know chasing the uh riding on the back of the car which leads to the manure. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of eye rolling when I brought up uh, Avengers Endgame earlier as if there's something Uh-oh. wrong with like giant tentpole blockbuster movies but this <laughs> movie was a giant tentpole blockbuster movie this is an extremely professional script you got Spielberg Frank Marshall Kathleen Kennedy uh, ex- executive producing you got Bob Gale and the other guy yep. also producing I mean you have like these really consummate professionals and the, and the movie is like it, it, the script in particular it's so succinct it hits yes. all these perfect beats uh, it's really and, and bob zemeckis is clearly like from from this and the other work that he's done like he's he's just a director's director he's just like a consummate professional sometimes this stuff is almost like a little too cookie cutter almost in some of his work but i mean like but like it's just so like if by the book but um but this is this movie here is a great example of how like expert filmmakers can come together mm. with a Big budget with a big cast, pretty big cast. I mean, well, no, Michael J. Fox was fucking huge at the time. He had, yeah. he was on Family Ties at the time, and that, that was he was working his show. ass off at this moment. Doing yeah, he was the doing show both. Of, he was like made, in his car. He was, yeah, he was working overnight on the movie too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, right. so he would. So the, 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 for all these reasons, this, this is a tremendous, huge blockbuster movie, and I, and you know, um, it, and, and sometimes that works. They can be. You know, great yeah. movies, clearly. I love the attention to detail, too. I, I said some of this stuff earlier, but there's literally a laundry list people can look up of, like, the small <laughs> details of going back and forth. But, like, you know, obviously they, they're at the Twins Pine, Twin Pines Mall earlier in the movie. He goes back to the to the, uh, to the the Peabody, um, you know, whatever, uh, pot, you know, whatever, the Pine oh, Tree okay. Farm, yeah. which yeah. is called Twin Pines. Right. He actually ends up driving through one of them when he comes back later in the movie in the future. It's now called the Lone Pine Wall. Right. But this is where they fuck up. This is yeah. this is the inconsistency of the movie here. I mean, let me let me let me. Yeah, let me, since, since this comes up, let's, this, let me pose this question to you guys. So clearly, Marty goes back in time, and he can affect things and change things for his present time. Because when he knocks over the one pine, it goes from Twin Pines Mall to, to Lone Pine Mall. Right? <laughs> yep. Everybody knows. Right. But at the same time, he goes back in time and he, and he says to Goldie, was it Goldie Williams? Goldie, Goldie, Wilson. Wilson? Goldie, Goldie Wilson. Wilson. You're going to be mayor. He's like, mayor. <laughs> be mayor. So like and, and so it's heavily implied that he's telling him there that like this is how you that, that, that he inspires him to be, to be like that he's the one that makes that happen. He's the one that goes back. And, and this is a whole other problematic thing. Like, hey, white guy inspiring Chuck Berry is if oh, there boy. isn't a huge history of white people stealing yeah. black people and music and <laughs> the whole history of rock and roll. Yeah. Way Fair to enough. go. Could with Elvis anyways. Fair. Um, yep. but, but so it's, it's, it's implied that he's like helping create rock and roll there too. So like they were doing two things at once, both he's both influencing the future, the, the, the past that is if he'd already done it. Is if he'd already, you know, is if the loop had already taken place and things are the way like he had made them the way that they are, and also like with the Twin Pines, Lone Pines thing, he's it shows that he has a, an impact that changes his his own present. So I that's don't think it's, I don't think it's him taking credit for. It. I think it's like those guys were already it's it was already their destiny to write that song. Who knows? Maybe he already had it written down, and Chuck Berry was super pissed. Like, oh man, I have this song already written down on my <laughs> notepad. This guy stole my song, and that guy maybe already wanted to be mayor. So. I, 
I mean, in general, I see what you're saying, but I think like maybe that it was stuff that was already going to happen. He kind of just helped it along. Like, cause okay. they, they, I mean, cause like he was gonna, like, you know, we came back and he, All right. no, I mean like it, it, your point is taken. It's just like, it, it could have been worse where I think it's reasonable to say we're like, at least the Goldie Wilson, like he was going to want to be mayor at some point. He put it in his ear and he was just like, Oh, that's a kick-ass idea. He was already going to warm up to the idea at some point. I do. I do agree with your point. I'm just saying that I think it's not maybe as huge of a hole for me. I just think I'm it's a- shitty exposition is what it is. That's all that I think. I'm like, why? This oh, is well, it's really just uh, entertainment for entertainment's sake. <laughs> yeah, I think they probably yeah. never counted on it being like it being quite the cultural milestone yeah. that it is. People analyzing yeah. it to this uh, yes. degree. I don't know if you guys watched the Josh Cat, the Josh Gad show, reunited apart that he's yes. been doing. Uh, did you watch the episode he did on this where he brought them yeah. all together? Well, that was one of the things that Leah Thompson was talking about. She was like, mm-hmm. I can't believe it's been, you know was 35 years and people still care about this movie because it just didn't really necessarily <laughs> seem like that would be the case at the time. Do you, ever, yeah, do you guys ever see the Tom Wilson thing, that song about the questions he gets asked about this all the time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wild. Oh, it's so good. You don't that's have an important point. I agree completely. You you have to remember that people are just making a movie and they don't know what it's going to be. They have no, I mean, we have to give them a little bit of, yeah, we got to give them a little slack. But sure, there are things that overall still need to be looked at and hopefully improved upon as a whole collective. You know, so I get the guys I that get made both. Primer didn't have the same fucking budget at all. And they had very consistent time travel. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> OK, fine. <laughs> well, yeah, like, like, it would have been a bummer if they, they stayed true. And like I said, Chuck Berry had that song written down and he thought Marty stole it. And then he went and found. Like the, they they found the other McFly and murdered him because you stole his song and now <laughs> Chuck Berry never never wrote the song because he went to jail. Well, like, there was a version that's, of that's kind of a buzzkill. There was a version of the script that in the wrap up of things that rock and roll was never invented because of something that he did with all that and like he gets oh, back yeah. in time he gets back to the future everyone's like listening to the salsa and like no Huey Lewis we can't have that I will Almost not that have that. You By know, the way, I mean, he, everyone knows Huey Lewis is actually the judge. I mean, that's not a oh, not a well known thing. And he said that's too darn loud. The band yeah. actually behind the Pinheads is actually and Huey the news. Lewis lost his hearing. By the way, which is weird, just for yeah. the record. No, the uh, the news. You know, Huey Lewis and the news. The the band, the Pinheads yeah. behind Marty. That actually is the news. That's just, <laughs> I love yeah, the news. Well, and it, what's funny is. Um, the other two, he's like, you're too loud. And it, and it shows like the other band setting up and it's like White Snake and like Def Leppard. <laughs> it's like, well, are these guys going to be too loud too? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the music- and Mar- and then Marty walks out. He's like, well, that one fucking guy didn't like me. So I guess my whole dream is trash. So Marty. The music is such a huge on, part buddy. of this movie. And Alan Silvestri's score is like so iconic right now. Oh, but, it, yeah. you know, you don't really realize it, but that that score doesn't kick into like 20 minutes into the movie. And I love that because that first act that's set up in that minutia and that exposition is what makes this script so perfect because they cover every single base. You know, he's struggling to become noticed as a rock star. They, they take advantage of that at the end. You know, George struggles as a writer. They take advantage of that by him being expired. The yeah. script is so full, well thought out, careful, disciplined enough to to say that all of this character stuff matters and it yeah. pays off. You don't see every that pin. Every pin that's set up gets knocked down. Like yeah. even the opening when they're like they got the television going on, or you got like the food dropping on the floor. Like everybody, yeah, Uncle Joey, when they called from jail <laughs> and they Joey. couldn't exactly. eat the cake. Better exactly. you get better you get used to these bars, kids. It's just yeah. so ah. smart. In fact, uh, you 
payoff. USC teaches this as like the perfect screenplay. And this is USC. This is number one top film school in the whole country. Yeah, I don't think they're alone on that either. I'm pretty sure that's, <laughs> I think it's a kind of like a common, like, because it is, it's just so concise. Everything that happens, it happens. But they, they have little stuff too. Like, you know, they, they have the clock tower, you know, save the clock tower. It's obviously struck by lightning in the future. He goes back, you know, he goes back in time. He comes back. It still looks the same, except the, the facade of the concrete is now broken because doc was up there trying to fix it. So it wasn't broken. So now, you know, that's yeah, like little that, stuff like that. that. That's, that's my point. And you illustrate it perfectly, Matt. Nothing's arbitrary. Everything is taken care of because of the well thought out screenplay by Gail and Zemeckis. Not to say that there aren't flaws. I mean, I'm just saying if you're going 88 miles per hour down main street and then you cross through time and crash into a cinema, uh, it doesn't matter. You hit it at 88 miles per hour. There's no, there's no airbag in that thing. You're a dead man. You're oh, a dead a man. Creation of a, <laughs> it's like a natural airbag phenomenon that comes out of time travel. You don't know about it. Oh, well, he, does, he does that. He does that. And then he uh, just leaves and goes to the future, uh, you know, later the, that next morning, like who's, who's, who's being arrested for Even just <laughs> destroying the middle of town. I love that Doc doesn't uh, like even give him a day off either. Like, no, like not even like an hour. Like, all right, you're back. You're, I know you're back. You don't need to sleep. You don't need to eat. Let's go back to the future again because your kids are dicks. Yeah. Why would you want to sleep? I would love to get moving on going back to the future. That sounds awesome. But by the way, this script is definitely much more well put together than any of the scripts of the latest Star Wars trilogy. So I will give Here it respect. When you see other movies that are just so disorganized, it don't make sense. And then you see something like this. I want to give it more credit. So I think that was a great. Well, point. it toiled All around for probably four years. Disney kicked it out because of the incest stuff. And I think like 44 times it was rejected by studios, which is a head scratcher because it's so good. Yeah, wasn't it because Spielberg cashed in with something that it finally allowed Zemeckis to get the opportunity to do this? Or am I making that up? I, I swore I read that somewhere. There was there was a moment where it finally got something was successful and they said, all right, let's finally do this film. And it finally got greenlit. And that's good because we all would have uh, missed out on something. I think it was Indiana Jones. That's right. Thank you very much. That is correct. Very good. Yeah. By the way, if you love Indiana Jones or Back to the Future or any film at all, we love doing <laughs> this show. We want to hear from you. Send in an email. Cinema 9. Pod? At pros.mail.com, Cinema 9 Pod on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. Talk to us. Send us a DM. What do you think of Matt's guest performance? How's he doing? Rate it in real time. Send us an immediate message as you're hearing this, and then we'll give you immediate feedback. Let's the, um, start to get to – Let's oh, go ahead, Matt. Yeah. No, if, uh, if, uh, if you're not afraid to go to a theater, <laughs> AMC is actually going to be opening them up uh, the end of this month. They said two-thirds, I believe, are going to be open up really? by September 15th. And on top of just having a few new releases, because not everyone's going to be rolling out their stuff, they're going to be doing a lot of older movies. And Back to the Future is going to actually be one of the first ones they roll out. So, hey, if you feel like going to a theater, uh, if you have an AMC near you, be on the lookout. If you want to see Back to the Future in theaters, it's probably going to be coming – possibly to a theater near you in the fall. If awesome. everyone's wearing masks and there's like the two thirds thing, there's distance. I, I think I could do that. I, I think I could, but I would obviously I want everyone to be on the same page and we don't need to have that whole discussion here, but I would love to go back to a theater. I definitely miss it real quick. Does everyone miss yeah. the theater? Everybody? Here? Oh, it's, it's what I miss most. I think wow. I went to one of these, uh, one of those things they have at the drive through uh, at the Philadelphia orchestra. They actually, uh, they do them all the time. They have star Wars and stuff, but they did back to the future where they just play the live score during it. That was badass. I did see a movie, though, in a theater alone by myself. And I've told the story many times. My favorite story. Something's got to give. Alone in a theater. December 2003. Oh Never forget. I did that. <laughs> I can't now believe that I... how much play that movie gets on this podcast. 
I mean, I saw Spider-Man 2 once because I moved to Florida to work on the video editing and that came out and I didn't know anyone in Florida. Uh, but that is that solo. Was, well, I have, I have I lost track of how many times I've been to the movies by myself. My I've probably <laughs> more than I've seen movies with other people at this point in my life. But it, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't what the something fuck do I need gotta, to talk it, to you at people for. It wasn't something's got to give though. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. Hey, underrated Nancy Myers film. We love it. Oh, All right. So as we, <laughs> we love Diane Keaton around here too. We do love Diane uh, Keaton on this show. Father of the Bride. They need to make a third one. Do you know, actually, the timeline um, lined up for a third one, the uh, the kids would be old enough to get married. So you could actually have, like, you know, the son, like Culkin, the Culkin's brother could be, like, father of the son, you know, the groom. They, they could. <laughs> Steve Martin, come out of retirement. You're too funny to go just play the banjo. Oh, man, we have totally <laughs> lost the focus of the show. Let's get back to it. Let's wrap this up. What is there? Back to Some the future. fucking movie. I don't know. Did it? Okay, so it seems likely that everyone's going to chime in with a positive closing statement on this. Gentlemen, let's go around the table here one last time. Cover anything you didn't get to cover and then give us your okay. bottom line on does this movie hold up? We'll start with you, Eric, and we'll go around. You got to give credit to the supporting players. Crispin Glover, you, they broke the mold with this guy. Ever since River's Edge, he's been on a different planet, and he is perfectly cast as George. Leah Thompson is an angel sent from heaven that is an irreplaceable <laughs> goddess in cinematic history. My favorite first crush. Winona Ryder's uh, pissed. Thomas F. Wilson does not get <laughs> enough credit for being the wonderful character actor that he is. He's great in April Fool's Day, and he absolutely kills it in this uh, uh, early role. Um, yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd off the charts. This is This is a classic. I mean, there's no other way around it. We talked about how good the script is. It's shot beautiful by the legendary Dean Cundy, who also did Jurassic Park and Halloween uh, and just, just so many other awesome movies. Um, yeah, what else can you say? I can't wait to show it to my kids, my grandkids. And uh, it's it's a classic. Travis? Um, well, you know, if I got to cover the things I was going to cover real quick. Um, one note, is that Bruce McCullough playing Marty's sister? Um, it looks to be Bruce McCullough. Um, <laughs> uh, it's in the hall's that, own. Awesome. I think that Doc is a shitty pet owner. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna put your dog in this fucking experiment. You're a bad pet owner. Fuck you. Wow. Um, also, how did they man. find me? Maybe it was your name on the giant truck. Your giant name written. How did they find me? Yeah, it was the name on, written on the side of your truck. <laughs> um, another thing. Um, Speaking of him, like like him, kind of like maybe not being the best inventor. Does it matter when lightning strikes assholes? Lightning rod, ex lightning rods exist. You could just put one of those in your car. You already put a big post up on the car, anyways. That's that's my thought on that. Um, and last but not least, I think it's funny that like that so much about um, current times. Like we look nostalgically back to the '80s. Like what a blissful time. But like that was hellscape for these people. Right. Like, I mean, like they've imagined the 80s to them was just spray painted garbage, like everything about is like orgy American style is the movie that's playing yep. over his shoulder when uh, when he gets uh, Jennifer's. Uh, phone By the number. way, the, uh, the homeless guy who was on the bench starred in that movie. That no guy shit. at the end, <laughs> he, he actually starred in that movie that was uh, was playing there. Yeah. Orgy American style is a real movie. Yeah. Real movie. And they got the guy. The guy who started it was the homeless guy on the bench. They got him and his homeless dick in the movie. It's an 80s fucking family movie. You, know I mean, you, you want to talk what? about details not overlooked? Why did they do that? There was no point. No point. But it's but so it's funny to me that like that, that, that like the, that the movie just like, yes, like the 50s was bliss. 80s is a hellscape. 
But all right, so those are the points that I wanted to address summed yeah. up. You know, I am unsurprised to say that yes, the movie holds up. It's it's an absolute classic. I I for me, I it, it's not something that I could watch every day. It's not something I could I'm glad it's been it's been, you know, 8 or 9 years since I've watched it. It'll probably be 8 or 9 years before I watch it again. I feel like for me, at least, if I if I watch it too much, especially this critically, because I'm looking at stuff that probably didn't pop up to me before, um, then it would start to you know it start to wear down. But uh, for good reason, it is a uh, cultural touchstone that has inspired countless countless parodies and other TV shows and all kinds of stuff, and it's uh, it's an American treasure. Well, beautifully said, Travis. And Matt, this was your choice. We know how you feel about it, so give us your closing thoughts. I, yeah, I, I mean, I can and have watched it multiple days in a row. But when you take such a good movie and tie nostalgia, childhood nostalgia, like been watching it with my sister and just loving it. I mean, you have two things mixed together because you can have nostalgia for a crappy movie and watching it when you're sick. But if you mix that with an actual good movie, it makes it easy to love it. It, it easily holds up for all the same the reasons that they uh, Eric and Travis already said. And it, the reason one of the main reasons it's it's a period piece, not in the terms of it being like little women. But, you know, it takes place in 1985 and 1955. It doesn't need to age because it is forever kept in the period in which it was shot. So um, there's there's nothing that can ever like, oh, well, this looks stupid now. It's like, no, it was 1985, 19, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love the movie. Well, I'll tell you what, that makes a lot of sense to me. These have been great points. It's hard to argue. I'm not going to shit on the movie. It's a it's a fun movie. It's not my favorite movie by any means, but it certainly holds up because it's entertaining it's got a couple of holes, but nothing that's so egregious that it should be, you know, not holding up. So congratulations, Back to the Future. You're four for four. You did it. And now we'll <laughs> never be able to top this one, Willie. I don't know if we'll ever find a movie. We get four people to agree on it. Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Well, is Tropic Thunder and Galaxy Quest a ripoff of the Three Amigos? Discuss. Ooh, wow, that's I would love to do an episode on that. But hey, this has been an episode about Back to the Future. We want to get your thoughts. Send them in. Send them an iPod, ProtonMail.com. Send them an iPod on all the standard, you know, places where people look at stuff and look at other people's lives. Now let's talk quarantine viewing picks. Yes, there oh is still a pandemic out there. There is COVID-19 in the air. So we try to, even though it's a beautiful summer, it's been a fantastic summer a lot of wonderful weather i hope you've had a chance to at least get outside but still you're indoors more than you'd like to you know probably be so that's why we're here to give you stuff to watch so we will start with travis who always has a great list of top-notch offerings yeah let me i got a lot i got watched a lot of movies i watched a lot of older movies this week for some reason i watched uh sunset boulevard for the first time mm. i watched oh, they call me that. mr tibbs wow. from 1970 oh yeah I watched, uh, creature from the haunted sea a roger corman movie from 1961 i don't know what possessed me but i just watched wow. it in the middle of the night um mm. i watched first cow which has been, which has been getting a lot of buzz oh. a movie that came out last year a really well-made uh, period piece. If you liked Meek's Cutoff, yeah, uh, I would recommend uh, First Cow. First it's Cow. A, first Cow. It's 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 oh, a period piece. Cutoff. It's the first cow in a, in a colony like that. That so oh, like it's not the president's so, cow. No, no, it's not the president's <laughs> cow. That's that's that would be a great movie in its own right though. Um, 
What else did I watch? I watched uh, Jojo Rabbit, whatever. I, it felt like I'd already seen it because uh, everybody had went out of the way to ruin it for me. Um, but uh, that's my own fault for not getting to it in a timely fashion. So I regret that I didn't do that. But Sam Rockwell was fantastic in that. And last but not least, the one I want to – actually, no, there's two I want to sum up real quick. Uh, both are movies that are about comedians. One was uh, The Comedian from, from 2016, uh, Taylor Hackford film uh, starring Bob De Niro – uh, it was co-written by uh, Art Linson, who, if you're familiar, is a producer that uh, – do I need to start over? No, you're doing up? fine. You're doing great. Keep going. Okay. You're doing great. Okay. Um, so Art Linson is a producer that um, that hasn't done a lot of writing or direction or anything like that, but he, he wrote this screenplay along with Jeffrey Ross, if you're familiar with Jeffrey Ross, the comedian. So this movie is about uh, an aging insult comment, and it's Robert De Niro delivering – brutal dialogue ever brutal. um it's the oh my god the comedy bits that he's giving in this are just so fucking edgy and awful like it's very cringy um i strongly recommend it if you have a, if a like if you want to watch like there's a the movie has like 28 percent on imdb or something like that because <laughs> hey, i think oh, that wow. both, hey yeah, honey you want to watch a 28 percent movie that's really because, cringy let's do it because yeah. most people are not going to be able to handle this movie. Like these, the, the jokes that are in this movie are just—they're fucking tough, man. They're raw, and they're coming out of Robert De Niro's mouth, so it's like extra hardcore. It's funny. Uh, so I'm going to recommend that. And then another movie I watched, last but not least, if you are a Richard Pryor fan, you may or may not know that there's a movie called Jojo Dance for Your Life Is Calling from 1986, I think. And this is a movie that he wrote, starred, and directed in about a comedian who burns himself freebasing crack. And oh, uh, has to like, reassess his entire life. So it's really, uh, yes, it's a completely autobiographical story. But there's like <laughs> these fantasy moments where he has like these uh, moments of reconciliation with his mother and his father, and it's all just like way personal. It feels like a therapy session in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, if you're a fan of Richard Pryor, you should, you should see JoJo Dancer. And that's it. Yeah, there, that's certainly. <laughs> retelling of his own experiences i i saw it once and it was kind of a tough watch but it's interesting film uh eric brancher yeah, yeah. we'd love to get your opinions what do you got for us eric what is it well christ it was a busy week i turned 40 i started a new Yay, job happy but I snuck a, thank you Yay. i snuck a few movies in um <laughs> i went back and took another look at uh the silence of the lambs and it, it's been probably about 10 12 years since i've seen this there are so many fucked up scenes in this movie that it's it's unbelievable to stop and think the best picture winner has a scene where literally a dude is sewing human skin together. Uh, a dude's wearing another guy's face. And then there's the whole penis tucking incident. It is wild, man. But the screenplay by Ted Talley based on the Harris book is is so tight. It's one of the best scripts of the 90s. And Jonathan Demme does not get enough credit as a director. He was so um, underrated when it comes to just character work and your relationship with the characters as a viewer. You, you don't see a lot of directors like him. Uh, speaking of um, your boy, Matt, I watched Top Gun again because it just hit Amazon Prime. <laughs> I don't understand what the deal is with this film. Do, do you guys like this movie? No. no, but you make fun of it. I think it was like the beginning of its time as far as those like 80s cheesy action movies. So I think at the t now it's a joke. Yeah. Like there's certain things now like 
I saw Halloween for the first time as an adult and I watched Michael Myers get hit oh. by a coat hanger and go down. I'm just like laughing at the theater. Everyone else is like, oh, I'm like laughing my ass off. Like, this is hilarious. What's happening? Well, is, you know, I mean, the love interest, Kelly McGillis, look literally just looks like Tom Cruise's mom. Like, like, like she looks like she's like 15 years old. And like, I don't really care about like jets. So like, I don't care about any of like the fight sequences. And I, I just don't know. But what about the volleyball scene? You didn't director. like that? You're, you're, you're not in for the sequel then, Eric? Yeah, Maverick. Uh, yeah, I'll be. It's like my wife's literally my wife's favorite movie, so I'll be there for the sequel. Really? Angela yeah. loves Top Gun. It's like her the best one. Best part of that movie is really? Danger Zone. Yeah, <laughs> Kenny Loggins has done almost every '80s soundtrack. You can't. He can't not be on an '80s soundtrack. Okay, Top Gun. When wow. it ended, I, I I love Tom Cruise so much that I wanted to watch another Cruise movie. So I I took another look at <laughs> a few good men. It's been yeah! like twenty years. One of my favorites. Whoa. Wow. It, I, <laughs> Does it hold up? It's very syrupy. I mean, yeah. it's very, very saccharine. As yeah. saccharine as saccharine can get. It's so cheesy. It's Great awful. dialogue, though. It's an awful movie. Is it? It's an awful movie. Is get it? the hell out of here. Jack Nicholson's scenes are fucking great. The rest of the movie is laughable. It's just not good. Oh, this is trash. I don't. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to pick that movie and force you guys all to watch right. it again. That sucks. Uh, <laughs> that does suck. Uh, is that it, Nick? Uh, is that all? Okay, great. That's it, buddy. Matt, Matt, uh, it doesn't have to be anything you've watched recently. If you just want to give a couple recommendations of movies that you think are fantastic that people should be watching. Here's a movie that not a lot of people have watched, at least not enough. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know the director, David Mamet, shame on you. It's one of the best directors ever. Uh, State in Maine is one of the oh, God, like, yeah. funniest comedies that no one's seen. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> William H. Macy, yes. Alec Baldwin, Jer Jessica Sarah, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, for MCU fans, Clark Gregg. And it's basically Rebecca a uh, pigeon, man. Rebecca Pigeon, so good. <laughs> yeah, Rebecca Pigeon. There's literally, yeah, there's so many people in this. Wait, uh, wait, Julia Stiles is in it. Wasn't that the movie that was done in like iambic pentameter or something? Like the actual whole script was kept in that rhythm. Do I don't know. Mehmet, uh, Mehmet's whole scripts always have a weird tone to them in general. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. The uh, so it's basically about a film crew that had to leave the last town that they were shopping, they were planning, they were taping their film in. You never actually find out the reason, and it's <laughs> it's it's basically just like you know this all these really high end movie like really demanding movie stars living in with these kind of small town folk. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's the uh, I won't say much about the plot um, other than the fact that one of the best things that sets the tone is Philip Seymour Hoffman's the writer, and there's problems in the new town immediately, and they keep telling him that they didn't have like the, the permit for like the old mill and they come up to him. Does it have to be an old <laughs> mill? And he's looking all stressed and the opening credits end with him taking the script and putting it up against the glass and tr making notes on it. And you see the title of the movie is the old mill. So it just kind of <laughs> sets it up and it's just, it's, it's David Mamet. So it's just really kind of uncomfortable, but unbelievably hilarious. It's yeah. uh it's a good one to watch. Okay. So everyone should state in Maine, check it out. Yeah. yeah, it's a good ensemble piece, but it was also like the first time that Philip Seymour Hoffman really basically was the leading man. So if you're a, yeah. a fan yeah, of the like here. Titanic and stuff like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> or not Titanic, oh, what no, I say. No, he, no he, I he, meant he, uh, Twister. How did I my yeah, brain Twister, oh, Leap of Faith? Yeah, Dusty. Yeah. Boogie Nights 97. <laughs> Everyone's like, Magdalene. he was in Titanic. No, he wasn't. I made that. Yeah, up. we just did a movie with him. That was that was Billy Zane. Yeah. Oh, we did Billy talk Casey Says Masco. I love Casey Says Masco. Yeah. <laughs> hey, three o'clock high is a great love 80s it. Film. Oh, it would be so good. Uh, Storm of the Century. Storm Remember of the that century. old okay. yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah I, I never saw that one. I didn't catch um, it. Good. Uh, for me, uh, I caught a few. I 
I know Travis has commandeered Philip Seymour Hoffman as his favorite actor. So he's no he's one all else. of ours. He's all he of can't ours. be everyone's, but he I, I really is a personal favorite of mine. I love him because <laughs> Boogie Nights was such a huge impression on me. He immediately became very important in my life. You were the one that told me that he died. Yeah, that was you. Oh, yeah, that was so sad. Yeah, really we have sad a day. special 40. PSH bond. What's his best? What's his best role? How about the along came Polly when he's shooting the baskets? Iceman. <laughs> Let it rain. <laughs> Let it rain. <laughs> Luke told me. My friend Luke told me that when he saw that, it reminded me, it reminded him of me being that idiot, like just fucking around on a basketball court. So I took that as a compliment, even though it's not really, because he shits no. his pants in that film, by the way. Um, <laughs> that was where Sharded like pretty much came from, where it got it's like where it really went mainstream. Yeah, yeah I agree. Told the whole rest of his life, he'd have people come up to him and be like, "Hey, Sharded," and he was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm a real actor." <laughs> did you see Love Lies? I didn't go west. <laughs> uh, but no, so I decided to watch a few uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman movies. Oh, that's great. Which ones? Uh, well, I watched Owning Mahoney because I had never really <laughs> oh, seen it. And I was, it's a true story based on a true story. A guy who yeah. embezzled millions of dollars from Canada. And yeah. it's not really like fun or anything. It, it's practically really dry film, to be honest with you. But he does a solid job as like this guy's. They're not trying to like exploit any of the um, like the dramatic parts of like being some they showed like the honest, raw, painful part of being someone who's addicted to like gambling and embezzling film. He can't yeah. stop gambling. He goes to Las Vegas every weekend and he lives in Canada. He's always flying out there and it, it's not sensationalized. And that's why I liked it. I thought it was a really well done performance. Uh, not a fun film necessarily, but a solid film, in my opinion. And uh, I did also. I watched 25th Hour. I hadn't watched that in a while. And he's not the main character in that, but he plays a teacher so who's got issues. Uh, maybe, maybe issues, or maybe he's just a man. I don't know. It's weird. Uh, I'm not condoning his efforts in that film. And uh, yeah, I think that was pretty much it. I didn't get to watch like every movie he ever did. So I watched a Watch them all. Almost Famous. Watch everything. Oh, well, we did we Almost Famous last yeah. week. So that's oh, are you kidding? Awesome. I didn't see that. I love that movie. So good. Oh, yeah. Hold on. Eric yeah. doesn't like it. Yeah, we had a whole. We, we saw Eric check out the podcast. Episode, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I will, I will. I will. I will listen to it. The one of the best scenes, though, no matter if you like it or not, when they leave. Um, what the hell's his name? The guy from uh, Clerks off the bus. Don't forget yeah, me. Jason I'm Lee. only the lead fucking singer. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, Travis definitely brought that up in this pod. It was hilarious. But Eric had his 40th birthday party over the weekend, and we all convened. hadn't seen each other in person in a long time, all three of us, and other people started talking about almost famous and. There was a lot of Travis actually wasn't there for that initial convo, but there was like a lot of people were ripping on it and people were agreeing with Eric. So it's good to hear Matt. I felt bad all week for trashing it, but uh, somebody uh, said they were with me. So I felt a little bit. Chad Gibbons said, yeah, the movie sucks. So I'm like, okay, well, you're entitled (laughs) to your opinion. We all are. Anyways, uh, yeah, next week we are going to do listener's choice. So remember, you got to get in touch with us dm us share with us on facebook on twitter on instagram anywhere email us give us a selection you would like us to choose and then monday night 9 p.m eastern this coming monday we will select purely random and fair unbiased we'll put out the random number generator and we'll pick a film out of all the selections we have so last time it was uh usual suspects right yeah oh so good yeah that was freaking Invite you me like back that? on the show. I love talking about freaking movies. Oh, oh what? Well, quarantine advice, which I did at the beginning. I've already seen a bunch of them, but a lot of people take a like the old list. There's a bunch of them, but look look up the AFI top 100. 
it'll you'll get to watch so i mean they're not all gonna be winners in terms of your own personal taste you'll have to watch like sure. Yankee doodle dandy and things like that as well um <laughs> which i watched and it wasn't bad it really but you know it is you know it's it's yankee doodle dandy um but if you can appreciate good movies do that cue them up watch 100 to 1 you'll get to see a lot of good movies you haven't seen before you know you're not gonna you know, like i said they're all, all you're not gonna love them all but it's it's a cool thing to do if you're looking to watch something Fire up the watch, entire Criterion collection. If you want to watch Annie Hall, Duck Soup, and Citizen Kane, go ahead. <laughs> the gentleman's agree. <laughs> I, I hope Birth of a Nation isn't on that list, is it? I hope not. No, I don't it think happens. so. But you know, I mean, there's good ones, too. I mean, you have, like, popcorn oh, flicks. You have good ones. Oh, you, E.T.'s on there. You should like that. No, I think if anybody who really enjoys cinema, they should have, like, the background of oh, yeah. everything that happened. You should have that foundation. That's I why I watched Sunset Boulevard today actually it was like you know it's on the list for a long time and now it's just now under the belt and and it actually really really was really good so there you go Bill great yeah. in it. awesome yeah. okay well i'm gonna, uh, vote, Matt, I'm gonna vote yeah. 100 times for tombstone that's what you're doing next week <laughs> tombstone i would love to do tombstone there's some it, it's a it's not simple it's not a cut and dry film the director whole thing there's a whole mess there, there a lot of storylines there but matt we did enjoy having you on the show Thanks yeah, for thanks, coming man. on Talking yeah. Film. Um, we would love to yeah. have you on. We'll, you know, we'll get you in the rotation of guests. We're going to have guests on every four weeks or five weeks or so. So we'd love to have you back. Yeah. We'll do another one. You did awesome. Uh, yeah, watch it. Let you know. Let people know where they can find you if you want to talk more films. You love gifts too. I know you love gifts a lot, but you also. Love oh, them. if you want to see unbelievably random use of cinematic gifts, yeah, follow me on Twitter at m a t t w i seven seven i m s. You, if uh, if you're looking for obscurity, I'm for you. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Uh, gentlemen, we've done it. Travis, welcome back to Michigan still. We're still in the welcoming back phase, so you still, deserve still that. Good to be here. It's like when they say Happy New Year for like three weeks. You kind of keep saying it for a while. Right, right. Eric Bradstrom, we love you. Everybody, we're out of here. Thanks for listening. We'll see you Monday night, 9 o'clock for the Listener's Choice, and then we'll be right back here next Thursday. Adios. Bye-bye now.